Welcome to Step Into the Story. Incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Welcome to Step Into the Story. Each time we get together, we explore the intersection of our story and God's story. And we have a guest, and that guest opens up his or her own life and talks about how it is that God has connected with them, especially through his word. And I look forward to these every time we do a new one. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Please welcome with me today's guest, Dan Darling. Dan, thanks for joining us on Step Into the Story. Hey, thank you for having me. I've been a huge fan of the work that you've been doing for a long time and just honored to be on here with you. Well, um, you serve as Senior Vice President for Communications for National Religious Broadcasters. I I know when I think of um, National Religious Broadcasters or NRB, my mind instantly goes to, you know, just a big convention. And I know that that organization does a lot more than an annual convention. But if, if you could sketch it out just in a few sentences, what is NRB really all about? Well, NRB has been around since 1944. Uh, it's a, um, you know, a, uh, an association of Christian media. Uh, so you think of radio, television, uh, film, digital, internet, uh, and I've met a lot of content producers, people like yourself that are producing really good and important uh, gospel and discipleship content. So a lot of our ministries are part of it. And really we exist for three reasons. First, we exist to um, you know, uh, advocate for Christian communicators to have, the, to have free access to the airwaves and increasingly now the platforms to share the gospel. So initially created to keep the airwaves free for the gospel. Um, but now increasingly, a lot of our ministries are platform dependent. So it's a little bit different advocacy, but we want to make sure that, you know, places like uh, YouTube and Vimeo and Facebook and the payment process and all those really stay open for, for gospel communication, particularly in an era where people are increasingly worried about tech censorship. So advocacy is a big part of what we do. And then um, equipping, you know, we want to equip Christian communicators, and so there's a lot of both equipping and networking uh, in the Christian media space, right? So uh, people love to gather for our convention and, and network and get together and work together and collaborate. So if you're a Christian communicator, you really need to have NRB on your radar. Um, and then uh, the last one is to encourage. You know, we're we're the we're a Christian uh, evangelical organization, so we're not just about the industry. But we're about, um, you know, the gospel of, of Christ and how can we encourage each other. And it's really cool to see people in ministries across the spectrum kind of work together and encourage each other in, in what God is doing. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of one part of your life. Um, you do a lot of writing. We'll be talking about one of your newest books um, in a little bit later in this conversation. But also um, do some with the Gospel Coalition, which is a ministry I just love and respect so much. And, um, you know, and then a frequent contributor to, to national media, whether that's appearances on, on TV, on, on news channels, or writing for some of the major newspapers in the country. Um, and then you also have a podcast. We'll talk about that some. And uh, you serve in your home church and, 
man, it's just, it makes me tired reading your bio. I got, I got to tell you that, Dan, really multifaceted. Um, what is it? How did you end up doing what you're doing? I'm sure that's a longer conversation than we can even have today, but it's a, it's such a unique blending of different things that requires really a pretty diverse skill set. Um, how did God prepare you for what he has you doing today? You know, it's just really interesting how the Lord directs our steps, right? I mean, there's a couple factors here. You know, first of all, I've always, um, I've always loved Christian ministry and I've always loved the church. I've, you know, my, my father came forward uh, at the 1971 Billy Graham crusade in Chicago and, wow. uh, you know, came, came from a family that um, was not really church, uh, broken family, alcoholism, didn't really know. He didn't even know his real father till he was 14. He was working at the age of 14, uh, you know, uh, he was working as a teenager to support his mom. He came forward and really changed the trajectory of, of the family. And they, they, he married my mother, who's Jewish, and they, you know, she became a Christian, and we, um, you know, we were, uh, I was raised uh, in, a, in the Lord, uh, became a Christian at an early age, raised in the Baptist church. And, you know, God has always given me a love for the church and a love for ministry. You know, ever since I walked forward at a at a uh, youth camp and just pledged that I would give my life to a Christian ministry, whatever that looked like, I've always had a, a yearning, a love to teach the Bible, to be in Christian ministry, to see people's lives change. I've also al- always had a love for um, work. You know, I've always been a reader, so... My family got three newspapers every day in Chicago, huh. and I read all, all three of them every day. Sports section first, and then the and then the uh, the news. I've always, you know, I read frequently. We didn't have a television growing up, so I had to either listen to the radio or read. And so, I've always loved words. And then when I was in junior high, um, I had a teacher look at some of my writing assignments and just say, you know, I think you've got some talent here. Uh, you should do something with this. Mm. And, you know, when you're a middle school kid who's not a jock, who's kind of clumsy, who's trying to figure out who you are, to have a teacher say, hey, here's an area that I think you're good at, you know, you just kind of take it and run with it. And I really have. And so I've always loved writing. I've always loved reading words. I've always loved putting words together. Um, so wherever I've been, I've been in kind of that world, whether I'm pastoring, writing messages, whether I'm working in communications for a Christian organization, or I'm writing my own books, or speaking and podcasting. I've always kind of been in and around all of that. Um, and then I've also, you know, I, I talk about my love for the church, but I've also loved kind of culture, you know, thinking about the culture. And I've always had like well, kind of one foot in the church, one foot in the culture and trying to help Christians think through how to live as faithful Christians in a, in this world. And so, you know, I'll put all this together and it kind of makes for a, an interesting life. And you know, it, it's funny because, you know, I always talk to young people and, you know, you make decisions, you take opportunities, you, um, and then you just don't know where God's going to lead you and God directs your steps. And then you kind of look back and say, you know, the Lord led me this whole way, but I didn't always see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I see that in my own life, but I think this is maybe, you're maybe our 20th guest on the podcast that we've had, you know, real early in its history. But there is a common denominator that so often, a lot of times it's a teacher, sometimes it's a pastor, sometimes it's a neighbor, but but somebody who sees gifting in a person, lots of times before we see it ourselves, who says 
just something as simple as your teacher said to you that that marks us and you know and then god seems to then leverage that but wow what a what a reminder we're going to be talking a lot about words because you've committed your life to words but um, we tend to focus on the downside and the destruction, but what an important thing it can have, it can make to have that affirmation from somebody that we trust, especially at a, at a pivotal age. You've really underscored that for us so well today. That's, that's very cool. T- tell us some about your family. So I'm married. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Angela. Uh, we've been married for 18 years. And then my, I have, we have four children my oldest we have three girls and a boy my oldest is 16 my youngest is nine so we've got a pretty full and lively home yes a lot of fun. you do and uh you know so that keeps me busy as well <laughs> uh that's that's pretty great you mentioned growing up in chicago and reading the sports page first you are not a cub fan are you please tell me you're not a I'm cub a huge, fan. i'm a huge cub huge and unashamed cubs fan <laughs> Wow. I grew, I grew up in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, halfway between Chicago and St. Louis. And we were all Cardinal fans, except my mom was a Cub fan. And we would tell uh-huh. her, take her on pilgrimages to St. Louis, and we never could convert her. Cub fans, they know perseverance. They absolutely we do. do. So, Hey, we have, we have 2016 that no one can take away from us, in which we not only uh, – won the World Series, but we also swept the Cardinals in the playoffs, which was so uh, sweet. Uh, we'll edit um, that part out, but yeah, I appreciate <laughs> you sharing that. <laughs> I will say this. I have been to Bush Stadium, which is a lovely stadium, um, and I actually wore my Cubs jersey in there, and the Cardinal fans treated me really well. So, Well, that's, that's, that's good to know. I love that. Uh, let's talk some about your podcast. It's called The Way Home. Um, tell us, tell us about that. I've listened to a couple of episodes just in the past couple of days and I love what you're doing there, but I want to, I want to hear you explain it. Cause I think some of our listeners will want to jump over and, and, um, enjoy some of that as well. What's your vision for, for those conversations? Well, I, you know, I, I, I just enjoy talking to interesting people. Um, and I, I, I learn from all kinds of people. So I want to, you know, talk to pastors or authors, uh, journalists sometimes, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, athletes or uh, public officials and just ask them, you know, about their stories, about some of the issues that they're working on. Um, I like good conversations. Uh, I like to ask good questions. And it's really been fun to host. You know, I've, it's funny. I've always, you know, I, maybe it's because I grew up with radio that there's something about audio that I've always loved. Um, yeah, I grew up listening to the radio and listening to the, these things. So that's one of the things that I mean, in a in a uh, in another life, I'd be a like a like a a radio DJ somewhere and uh, hosting a radio program. I just love love doing this stuff. Yeah, there's power in a story, and sometimes sometimes though the visual medium is so great that can just overwhelm the simple power of the story. And I'm, I'm with you, you, you and I have a lot in common that way. Um, so when, when you have a guest on, I mean, what's the, what's the payoff where you go, ah, that was, that was a great conversation. I mean, what makes you say that at the end of an episode of the way home? I mean, I, I would say, you know, if you get someone just 
opening up and talking and sharing some good ideas and having a, a good conversation. You know, people who, you know, maybe asking them a question that they haven't been asked before, haven't thought about before, or maybe sharing about their how they got to where they are. I think it's always interesting to hear how people, how, you know, people's backstory, people's, um, you know, first of all, you know, how they became a Christian or how they really stepped into the God's calling on their life or some of the things they've learned about leadership and about uh, ministry that maybe we insights you haven't heard before. I mean, you know, when you have someone kind of say, give you an insight that you're like, man, I've never heard that before, but that makes so much sense. Yep. Absolutely. Oh man. So many directions we could go. Um, I, w- I want to talk about your, your new book away with words using our online conversations for good. Um, that subtitle just grabbed me because without even saying it, you know, it, it, it set off alarms in my head that, oh man, that's so rarely the case. So many times what we say on social media or what I read, I mean, there's times I just want to unplug it from it all and go, I'm just, I'm just cutting that out of my life because it can take my thoughts so negative, it can distract me so bad. And then there's other times it's like, no, that is that is the communication of the day. And if you're not there, you know, you're you're not part of the conversation. And um, what? Why did you write it? Let's just talk about that first, and then we'll get into some specific suggestions that you might have. Yeah. So we talked earlier about my love for words, so that was part of why I wanted to do it, but. Um, you know, I, we, we live in this digital age where it's never been easier to communicate, it's never been easier to publish. Um, you know, in some ways that's really good. You know, it's elevated voices that maybe never were elevated or it's uncovered corruption or abuse or, you know, it, it made the pathway to opportunity if you're a communicator maybe a little easier. Um, but also, you know, there's it, it's never been easier to communicate, so it's there's very few barriers between what comes into our mind and what we can publish. And, um, you know, I, the, the internet's here to stay. Um, you know, we can all wish for a time, a different time, but we're not going to all go back to the 1950s. We're not going to suddenly become Amish. <laughs> so we have to ask ourselves, how do we steward this age we live in? How do we steward our work? Um, and I think the Bible has a lot to say about that. And I, I talked in the beginning part of it just about what the Bible has to say about speech and language. And we are, you know, we are communicating people who were created by a communicating God. Um, the fact that God is a God who speaks is a tremendous gift to us. Uh, the Bible opens with a God who speaks. I mean, I even think about when Adam and Eve fell. God chases after them, and he speaks, and he says, Adam, where art thou? Um, and part of what makes us human, part of what makes us distinct from the rest of creation, what, uh, part of the way that we reflect God uh, as his image bearers, is the high level in which we communicate. Um, you know, animals communicate somewhat, but, you know, an animal's not going to write a novel or host a podcast or run for mayor, right? Right. Uh, at least I haven't seen that yet. So there's something distinctly human about the way we communicate and we form words. And so I think God cares about the way we speak. Um, uh, that uh, James 3 talks about the fact that 
we can be sources of life or death with our tongues, or we might say today with our with our thumbs uh, or with our you know keyboard. And so, really wanted to think through what is it we're doing on the internet, what is it we're doing when we speak, how do we speak well, how do we speak truth, but also do it in a way that is um, redemptive. Uh, how do we think about the acquisition of knowledge and the kind of information that's flowing at us every day? How do we process it? How do we read the news? All, all those sorts of topics I'm trying to, uh, to cover in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in high school, one of my best friends, we kind of had it out one day. And and I'm like, oh, why are you so ticked at me? And he goes, he goes because most times that you and I, after we spend time together, I walk away feeling worse about myself than before we got together. And um, I'm sure I had some smart mouth response to that because I rarely lost a diss war. You know, if we were just sparring mm-hmm. verbally, most of the time I won. But but those those words cut deep when he said that. And um, next time we were hanging out together, I said, you know, I said, I really heard what you said. And I said, I'm, I'm going to change. And um, Dan, I had no idea what I was saying at the time. But I said, I said, I think there's some verses in the Bible that talk about how we talk. And I said, I'm going to find those and I'm going to memorize every single one of them. Um, I'm 63 now. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot more verses than I thought there were. But um, you know, just the the Bible does say so much about the power of the tongue and that words have the power of life and death. And we've already touched on your teacher who brought a message of affirmation. And I'm sure we could swap stories about words that have really, really hurt us through the years too. But, you know, as, as, we, as we grow in being Christ followers, I, th- I think that's clearly one of the battlegrounds is is how we use our words. But for some reason, so many people who are really good stewards in terms of their speech face-to-face, they, like, lose it on the Internet, and all rules are off. What it, What is it about Internet, social media specifically, where it's so easy to just abandon our, our standards and lose our minds on that? What do you think about it? you know, causes that to happen? Well, I think there's a couple things that, to consider. I think um, one of the things that happens is we forget our humanity because when we go online, our conversations are mediated through screens. We're not face-to-face. So there's there's a lot of things that we'll say to each other online or about each other that we wouldn't say face-to-face or we'll say about people we've never met or been in the same room with. Um face-to-face. And so we forget our basic humanity. And one of the ways to overcome that is to, to remember that that person I'm arguing with on the other side of Facebook or Twitter or whatever is a person made in the image of God. So we can have a robust disagreement and, and debate, but let's let's remember the human beings and let's respect them um, as image bearers. We also tend to reduce someone we disagree with. We reduce them down to that one area of disagreement. So um, we reduce someone down to their wrong opinion on a certain topic as if that's all there is about them when they're really whole people. Um, I also think third, 
as you said, we forget the fact that we're Christians, like, but sins of the tongue can be committed online. Uh, sins, you know, verbal rhetorical sins. The Bible has a lot to say about the way we speak that, uh, and we can commit those online. It's almost like we go in there and we forget that we're Christians. Mm. Um, but you know, the, I think sometimes Christians feel like as long as I'm saying, as long as I'm on the right side of an issue, it doesn't matter how I speak. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but there should be really a distinctly Christian way in which we speak. Um, I think of Peter, you know, Peter was no shrinking violet. Peter was no person who lacked courage, right? And yet in First Peter 3, he says, have an answer for every person for the hope that lies within you. In other words, you know, know the word so much and know Jesus so much that you can answer the questions of the age. And Christians need to be prepared to have courage to answer the deep and hard and difficult questions of the age that are being asked. And yet he says, do it with gentleness and kindness. And we have this myth that courage and civility can't go together. Um, But the truth is they can and they do. So it's not being mean or uncivil if you, declare gospel truth, even if they at some point conflict with the culture. I mean, Jesus said at some point, as a Christian, your the way that we live or the gospel is going to conflict with the culture. It just, you know, he said, hey, you know, they, they hated me, they're going to hate you. And yeah. yet, so it's not mean to declare bold truth. At the same time, Peter's also saying the loudest person in the room is not the most brave. Uh, we shouldn't measure courage by vitriol and anger. We can be both courage, courageous and civil at the same time. And lest we think this is kind of a cop-out or compromise, these words are coming from Peter, who was martyred for his faith. Um, these are all, words are also coming from Paul. You know, every, every set of pastoral qualifications, leadership qualifications in the pastoral epistles, includes temperament, gentleness, kindness, not a brawler. And again, Paul was not someone who was given to shrink back. He too was a martyr for his faith. He was stoned and jailed for his faith. So if civility is good enough for Peter and Paul, I think we can be civil as well. And we have to remind ourselves, you know, me arguing on Facebook, I'm not being more courageous than Peter and Paul. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, for sure. We, we did a, um, course at Walk Through the Bible. It's a small group curriculum, and then it's also taught live here and around the world. And it's, it, it's um, the title of it is Chiseled, and it, it looks at how God chipped away at, at Simon Peter and specifically his relationship with Jesus. But it's, it's so cool that, you know, after Peter's denial and total collapse and failure, uh, when Jesus restores him, you know, after that, he's still just as bold as ever. He's the guy who steps up at Pentecost and says, these guys aren't drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. But the same guy, different than before, can write, like you said, First Peter, that is, um, I mean, as Walk Through the Bible's got ministry a lot of places around the world. And outside the United States, First Peter is one of the favorite books of the Bible, especially where the church is hurting. And to think that God spirit you Simon Peter to sell uh, you know to communicate that kind of sensitivity and gentleness 
that was not Simon Peter early on. But he, but he's still he's still bold. You know, he's the one who gets out of the boat. He's the one who speaks up first. But he's it's being tempered and it's rounded out. And I just I just have so enjoyed getting to know his life better. And you know, I I wonder um, what would he have been like you know, on, on social media. And I think if you, if you contrasted his early days compared to when he was more mature, I think there'd be an enormous difference in how he interacted with people. It's just no question about it to me. Um, That's a great, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I, yeah, Peter on social media in those early days, uh, mercy, (laughs) he would have been, he would have been rough. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. that's one thing for us to consider too, that people grow and change. And sometimes we see people grow and change in front of us because of social media. So I don't like the practice of digging up what someone said 15 years ago and, and holding them hostage over it, you know, and, and canceling them because people grow and they change. I am glad for instance, that I did not have social media. And my so am I, so am I. I mean, I had all kinds of hot takes and ideas that now I think about, man, I'm glad that wasn't public, right? So I do think we have to have some measure of grace toward people. People, We're going to make mistakes online. We're going to say stupid things, publish stupid things. I think we need to have grace toward each other as well. Yeah, because it's so easy to just be, you know, the, the prosecuting attorney and the jury and the sentencing judge, you know, all in just like instantly and... You know, that's thankfully our courts don't work that way, but it's so easy to just come to a verdict. And like you said earlier, to look at a person just based on a comment or two and hang some label on them when they're very much a a full, very multifaceted person. And, you know, we wouldn't do that in real life. Um, I know there's there's a woman that we work with here at Walk Through the Bible. Her name's Jenny Baxley. And um, she's like our VP of operations. And I just tell her about twice a year that she is what I want to be on social media. She writes the most winsome things. It's like she doesn't shrink from truth, but she's learned to speak the truth in love. And um, and I I just I aspire to that. And I I think your book is going to be used to help. A lot of people just like me who deep down inside, we know, we know what's right, but it's so instant. It's so immediate. There's the absence of filters. And, you know, I mean, there's times when I'm preaching or teaching, something will come out of my mouth and I'll be like, why don't we have that eight second delay button like they used to have on radio? And, you know, it's, it's, it's even worse on social media unless we take the time and breathe and go, how about I think about this overnight until I hit send? Um, but it's, again, it's so immediate. That's the word I was looking for, not instantly or instantaneous or whatever. Let's go with immediate. But um, do you have a two or three other suggestions that you would make um, to, to folks who are struggling to, to really communicate in a God-honoring way through social media and other channels? Yeah, I would say I would give a couple tips. I think one, as I said before, let's remember the humanity of the person we're disagreeing with or we're interacting with. I think we can have disagreements and robust arguments 
But remember, that's a person, creating the image of God. And like, we're not just crushing avatars or pixels or, or, or winning mythical wars. We're talking with human beings, um, number one. Number two, um, let's remember when we're on social media, we're in public. So one of the things I like to ask myself and tell others is, let's say, let's say you know, you only have a hundred friends on Facebook, which is pretty easy to do, or a hundred followers on Twitter. Um, but imagine yourself in a room of a hundred people, and you're standing up there. Would you say it the same way? Uh, now imagine mm. you're arguing with somebody else who has a hundred followers. That's two hundred people. You're so you're doing a debate in front of a couple hundred people you would probably say things differently. Now, let's imagine you have 1,000 friends or followers or 10,000 or 15,000, um, and someone else has that amount. Now we're talking about a small minor league stadium or something. Um, <laughs> and so we got to remember we're in public. Uh, imagine you're in a, at a dinner party. Would you go up to someone that you disagreed with, ask everybody to give you their attention, the room is quiet, they're all watching you, and would you – say something like, you know, that was the worst thing I've ever heard. I can't believe you said that. Or, you know, so let's remember we're in public. And I think number three is um, understand that we don't have to have an opinion on everything all the time. Right. Sometimes we should. Sometimes we do need to speak up. Sometimes we have expertise in that area. We feel compelled. I need to say something or I need to talk about an issue. But ask yourself, Am I the person to speak up on this at this time in this place? You know, it's interesting because 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I didn't know what some random person five states away thought about a global crisis. But now we all feel like I have to have a statement. I have to say something. And sometimes we should, but we don't have to. This idea that we all have to speak out all the time on everything is really a, a myth of the digital age. And so I think mm-hmm. we're asking ourselves, and I, also just saying to ourselves, um, what is it I'm trying to do? And asking ourselves these questions. And, and if you can answer them in a good way, I think it's a good way to engage. I do think we need to engage. I think pastors and leaders need to be on social media engaging. But I think we need to do it and ask ourselves, how, are we doing this in a redemptive way? Yeah, and sometimes it's just saying, I'm, I'm responding to an individual. So how about we take this conversation offline? You know, just direct message the person. Pick up the phone and have a conversation rather than having a private conversation on a public forum. That's I've gotten in trouble with that um, more than a few times through the years. Yep, for sure. Oh, man. you, Dan, I'm going to ask you one qu- more question. And <laughs> this is not even a fair question. Um, could get us both in trouble. But uh, what... What generation, is there a generation or an age span that you think has the most trouble um, doing this well? And um, you may say, nope, everybody has the same problems. That's an okay answer, too. Um, But I'm interested to hear, because I know you've studied a lot more than I have. How would you answer that question? Man, that's a really, really good question. Um, You know, it's interesting. It depends the medium, right? Um, I think there's a generation, a younger generation, that has been formed and shaped by the Internet. And so the only kind of discourse they know is Internet discourse. Um, and yet it's funny because, you know, when you look at most statistics, things like, like Twitter users, uh, it, it's a small percentage of the population. So most people actually aren't arguing online. 
I think it's just an exacerbated version. It, it really depends on the medium. You know, like when I talk to my kids, they think Facebook is for old people. Right. Um, they're not even doing Twitter, but they're doing TikTok and Instagram and other places, and they're doing more visual stuff. Um, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I don't know that it breaks down along generational lines. I think it breaks down along just different lines of, of people who are willing to say, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna build bridges across these lines. You know, there's a lot of perverse incentives online to be extreme and to be provocative. But I think as Christians, we can be countercultural and we can actually build bridges and say, I'm going to use my social media as best I can to bring people together. So that's kind of a long-winded non-answer to your question. Yeah, but, but it's still, it's know. important to think about it. You know, I know uh, our kids are 33 and 30 years old. And, you know, so they pretty much grew up with it. And it's like, it's like they just, they just laugh at people my age and our attempts. And they're like, they're like, nobody our age would be that stupid. You know, it's because dad, it's because it's like on a good day, it's your third or fourth language. So anytime you want to run something by me before you put it out there, feel free to do that, dad. And um, yeah, that's why I had to at least run that theory by you. Cause I know I'm well, definitely playing catch up on some of that stuff. There, there is a kind of, um, uh, dexterity that younger generations have with, with digital stuff that is really commendable. I mean, some of the people I've hired on my team are, are in their twenties and the dexterity and nimbleness and ability to use these mediums are really amazing. And I think having them grown up with the internet for some there's more of a caution yes Um, you know we've seen people's you know careers being jettisoned and and lives being turned upside down by you know doing stupid things on the internet so there's a caution there um but then there's also people young generations who are seeing hey you know i can become a thing i can make a name for myself if i just am really provocative here so you know, I think it's a mixed bag that way. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, if you're looking for followers and you want a response, the more outrageous the statement, you know, there's there's no diffusing the conflict. I mean, put it out there in its ugliest form, and at least you'll get traction that way. And wow, I just I just don't see Jesus of Nazareth looking for that kind of response. You know, he was yeah. He spent so much time asking people questions, even though he's the only person who's ever walked the earth who had all the answers. And yet he's taken the time to draw it out from other people. And, and this is probably a pretty good place to land this conversation. I'm Dan, I'm, I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. Um, encourage our listeners to check out your podcast, The Way Home. If you had one prayer request for your own life and ministry. Um, what could I pray for you today as we wrap up this conversation? Uh, that's a great question. Thank you for that. Uh, pray that most of all that I would remain faithful to Christ, you know, and that um, God would, you know, I, I think uh, prayer of faithfulness and to family, to ministry, to the calling that God has given me, you know, Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's do that. Father, thank you for this conversation with Dan. Thank you for the unique way 
that you've prepared him to do exactly what he's doing right now. Thank you for putting those dreams in his heart early before he even understood them. And I pray first and foremost for his marriage, that you would keep that really strong for his three girls and his son, that you would really protect them and that you would just continue to pull his family closer and closer together. And Lord, as you as you continue to enlarge his platform uh, through his writing, through his speaking, through his op-eds that he's written and, and um, just has an opportunity to represent you in some really high-level places. God, keep his, keep his ego in check. Uh, protect him from counting the number of his likes or, or um, just spending too much time measuring the, the scope of his own impact. Lord, let him write and teach and talk first and foremost to an audience of one that of all those who hear him and all those who read his words, that you would be the most pleased of any of his listeners or readers. God, make that true in his life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you well, so thank much, you. Dan. I really appreciate this conversation and um, look look forward to connecting in the future. Maybe God will cook up some stuff for us to do together with, with Walk Through the Bible and, and your ministries. But thank you I'd so much to. for opening up your heart. Um, it was just condensed wisdom what what you were sharing and you know every time we get together on step into the story this is what we're hoping to discover is how god is real that he's involved in in every area of our lives and um, i just thank everybody for listening today look forward to the next time that we get together but dan um, most of all i want to say thank you to you for for joining us today and opening up your life and your ministry. Thank you so much, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk through the Bible. Take a walk. Change the world.